You're entering the content studio. Sometimes it's messy, sometimes it's a masterpiece, but the process always makes us better. We'll talk about how you can reach your audience with the right content at the right time and grow your brand through content marketing. Hey everyone, welcome to the content studio brought to you by GLC. I'm your host, Michelle Jackson. And today I'm being joined by two editors at GLC, Brad Causey and Chastity Cooper. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. So one of the things that we constantly are trying to move our clients toward is this idea of a more holistic and strategic approach to planning content. I think that organizations often tend to either think too narrowly when it comes to content planning or they take somewhat of a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants approach. And what we have found is that a thoughtful, broader approach to content planning is really what can help you yield better results from your content. Yeah, for sure. I've run into this issue with a, a number of clients, and I think one of the reasons that we get so narrowly focused is just because of workload. You know, I mean, when you work for an association or a foundation, a nonprofit, there are a lot of different hats that you wear. And uh, it's all you can do to just kind of keep up with the day by day or week by week events that are happening and press releases and all of the rest of it that you're trying to accomplish. And so that's where an, an agency can really help extend the capabilities of that marketing team or that content development team and say, hey, look, let's take a quarterly view. Let's take a year's view at what you guys want to accomplish. Let's get some of the main events on a schedule and start planning content around those so that you really can alleviate some of that pressure on a day-to-day -day basis for getting the next thing out. Yeah, absolutely. I think you need to take a step back and set some foundational things in place to allow you to think and plan and create your content more strategically without adding to your workload. One of the things that I think is really an effective step is to remove barriers that exist between content creators. Typically, we find organizations have a team that's responsible for maybe a print magazine and creating the content around that print magazine. That might be separate from their website team that does all the content for their website. Or um, you know, if they're doing podcasts or videos, they've got a separate broadcast group that's doing that content. And there's not transparency between those groups, even though they may be creating content for a very similar audience. So one of the things that I think is really effective is when you sort of have an open content panel, if you will, or content planning committee that can understand what content's being planned or being created. Um, and you have that line of sight so that you can find ways to build off of what each other is doing. I'd agree. And I think um, in, in when you're planning that content, keeping in mind the different channels you're going to be placing the content. So if you're planning a campaign for Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, just ensuring that when you're having that larger conversation, um, all of these different channels are also brought to the table and the type of content you're making for each channel makes sense. So if you're making video, like short videos or you're working with somebody on the copy, everything should probably flow together. I think another thing that can be really effective in terms of, of smart content planning is really thinking through the journey for each user, for each piece of content. What do you want them to do after they read this article, after they watch this video, after they listen to this podcast, after they view this infographic? What's the next step? 
the journey with that member of your audience doesn't end with that one sole piece of content. Totally. I think whether like you are driving them to a web page, if you're looking to increase email subscribers, having them sign a petition, um, that call to action has to be clear from the jump. Doing social media campaigns, that's usually the first thing we ask ourselves. What is the call to action here? Why? What is the why behind us creating this entire campaign, gathering you know different assets and creating these very beautiful graphics and videos? What are we charging, you know, whether it's a consumer or a member, to do ultimately. And um, it has to be clear from the jump or, you know, you'll get in the middle of the campaign and not know which way is up or down. I've heard on multiple occasions from organizations that are reaching out to us on um, on one-off content projects. You know, we want to create this video and here's what we want it to say. And it's like, okay, that's great. What do you want them to do? What are you doing with your audience after they watch this video? And it's something that I think is often missed when you're you're looking at this flashy, you know, this idea of a flashy video or a flashy like interactive infographic. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm thinking of an example where we had a client who wanted to do a video interviewing multiple sources, promoting the foundation, and ultimately the call to action was um, to support the foundation financially. But in thinking about the work that would be involved in interviewing those particular sources and the time that it would take, you know, we suggested to them that with each of those individual interviews, once they're done, you could package those independently and build a campaign around each of those voices that would then lead up to that culminating video to deliver the final message, you know. So this kind of ties into something that I've been promoting a lot, which is the serial development of content. You've got to have frequency and you've got to try things, you know, in so many different ways and keep getting in front of people often multiple times before something registers to get them to take that next step. You know, I think that another reason for that serial approach is when you're developing any type of content, whether it's a, you know, let's say it's an article on X topic, there are so many different angles of X topic that can be uh, addressed through content. And if you have a, a member of your audience that's interested in that topic or that piece of content, they're not just interested in that small slice alone. You know, they need to know more. They want to know more. As we know, one piece of content isn't the end all be all, right? Like, you have to keep developing, you have to keep people interested, you have to keep informing them. So I think that there's so many different reasons why a serial approach is, um, or you know, creating a network of content pieces under topic umbrellas is the right approach. What it ultimately does is it gives you more pieces of content to work with. A good example of this is recording a video interview. We have positioned it when we request this to say to that source, look, everybody's stuck in front of their computers at home, but we still crave that face-to-face -face interaction. So this is one way that we can do that for our audience virtually. And people are generally receptive. So what you get is an interview in video format that you can then say, okay, this is the bread and butter. This is a 30 second clip for social. Here's the transcripted text that we want to use. Here's the full video recording. Here's a five minute version of it. You can ultimately yield, you know, three or four or five different pieces and different lengths and different 
formats of, of that one interview. This is a really efficient way of creating content because it's sort of one act led to multiple pieces of content for you. I'm thinking of one of my healthcare clients where we've taken this approach where we develop patient stories where we're interviewing the patient and we're interviewing their doctor and developing uh, an article either for the website or for the print magazine. But what we've started to do is we know these doctors' time is very valuable. So what we do is we extend that interview by a couple of questions and we develop a few more pieces with that doctor's advice that we've gotten from that interview. So now we've created multiple pieces of content from that one doctor interview. So uh, currently we're working with a client to help them prepare and market their upcoming annual conference. Last year, they had their very first conference from home. They, they want you know, more people who are interested in this, their particular field or their industry, even those outside of their industry, to join in for the conference. I think um, right now we're working on a number of different aspects of the entire marketing plan, so social media ads, paid per click. We're definitely going to be doing some video content. Now, it's so easy to capture now. We're all at home and using Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Skype and, and really creating uh, an atmosphere, if you will, to encourage those who may be interested in this particular industry, those who are longtime veterans of the industry to, you know, come share their expertise and really connect with other people that they may not have been able to in an in-person setting. I think we all, of course, miss going places, traveling, you know, seeing people face to face. But now more than ever, there's opportunity to really connect with one another, not only virtually, but um, to really build relationships and connections that are long lasting. That's awesome. You know, this idea of upfront planning, I think that it also helps you avoid the fly by the seat of your pants approach. You know, I think it helps you avoid looking like you were a little thoughtless in your planning or maybe even tone deaf a little bit in your planning sometimes. You know, when we think about things like holidays like Black History Month this month or Heart Month, you know, thinking backwards from the get go what kind of content are you going to produce to celebrate that month? I agree. I think um, we we recognized this a lot last year, particularly last June. Um, I'll bring up Blackout Tuesday, which initially it was a campaign started by two um, Black women who are executives in the music industry. It was specifically for the music industry, and then it just blew up to be this entire overstanding in solidarity based on you know the events that had happened in Minneapolis a couple of days before. But for a lot of companies, it backfired because they posted the black square and then nothing happened. Like there was there 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 was nothing that came of it. To avoid getting dragged on Twitter or Facebook or whatever other social media platform um, that companies uh, tend to use to connect with consumers, it's definitely important to keep those things in mind. They happen every year. And it's just, you know, an opportunity to get more creative. You can reach out to, um, you know, those Black members of those associations. You want to spotlight, you know, the work that they've done, um, but also recognize that there's other opportunities throughout the year to highlight the work that they've done as well. A perfect example to go, I guess, dovetail with what Chastity is saying is just because there's a month dedicated to Black history doesn't mean that you publish in February and only February your perspective from Black members, right? That that could, and I would argue should be, a point at which you create a new series to sort of bring it back around full circle. 
where you are interviewing or you are having a focus on the diversity in your community throughout the year, every other month or however the, the frequency pans out. Again, that's, that's what we're talking about here. Being thoughtful and intentional in planning allows you to see further down the road. Yeah, Chastity and Brad, that, those are all really, really good points. When it comes to developing a really effective content program, you know, it can be overwhelming, the thought of it. But I think that there are so many opportunities to build off of things that you've previously done to help build that content program further. So I don't think you have to reinvent the wheel every every time. A good content program naturally builds off itself. Yeah, that's something that, especially with digital content development, digital publishing is unique because you can revisit, repackage, repurpose, and revitalize content that you've already developed. And I was just talking with a client about this this morning. As you're looking at that year's plan for content, there is a full 50%. Some people actually do 75% of repurposed content versus new content. We all know creating new content from scratch requires more energy and time than it does to say, okay, we have an event coming up and this is the specific topic or topics that the event will be about. What is in our content library that is relevant? Who are the sources that we could reach back out to, to say, hey, we haven't spoken to you in a couple of years. What have you been up to? What are some new trends or developments that you're seeing? And then you can create a mini campaign leading up to that event by revitalizing content you already have, which is still relevant, and then just polishing it up with some new commentary from your authoritative source. Yeah, I'm doing this actually right now with one of my healthcare clients for Heart Month, which is February. We've created over the last couple of years a number of patient stories dealing with, you know, a patient had a heart attack, had a bypass surgery. Their their healthcare story didn't just end with that event and that recovery. What happened to them two years later? How are they maintaining their heart health in COVID, you know, during COVID times? And so what we what we've done is we've selected a couple of, of patient stories that are a year or two old and we reached back out to those patients, did a quick QA with them over email. So very little time and effort went into it. And that was a new piece of content that could give them a where are they now look. And now we have a new piece of content to promote that that existing patient story in celebration apartment. That's great. I would also suggest for clients in, in reevaluating what they already have uh, to do a content audit annually. So at the end of every year, you've created all this new content. It's like, okay, how can we, we use this next year, the year after? I think, Michelle, you brought up a great point of looking back because so often we're, we get in these cycles where we have to create over and over and over again. And then you create the content. You're like, oh, we had this like a year ago or two years ago. It's like, why did we even, you know, that's extra time you've spent when you could have just like gone back, copy pasted, updated and repurposed it. Now, I will say there are times when you absolutely should create that new content. Um, if you're in a space like healthcare, science is changing every day. So making sure that if there are new developments in technology, you know, you're acknowledging that. Right. So the other side of digital content is that that article that you posted five years ago is still on your website and people can still access it. It's also entirely possible that an article from five years ago 
may become outdated or have incorrect information, especially in the healthcare space. Or for example, if you are serving a client that has a very strong technology focus, right? We all know how quickly technology evolves. The added benefit of that data stewardship and revitalizing efforts is that you can you can clean up or update articles that you might have forgotten about, but somebody visiting your site can certainly stumble across. I really like the idea of an annual content audit, Chastity. Um, and Brad, what you're saying rolls into it. I mean, there's so many things you could be looking at or the purposes of an annual content audit are so gr- vast. You know, one, as you said, Brad, it's your responsibility to make sure you're not offering outdated advice. Two, you can see where are your gaps around content topics or content types. What have you done too much of? What have you not done enough of? And then you can also tie your metrics into it. So what's performing best? Like what has been um, downloaded the most, read the most, viewed the most, commented on the most? So I think that that should serve as the basis every year of your content plan. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been really, really awesome. I I loved getting to to talk with you and pick your brains a bit. Absolutely. This was fun. It it definitely brought to light how I can better be a, you know, more efficient content planner and strategist. So thank you both for sharing your insight. It's been a lot of fun. Happy to do it anytime. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Content Studio, and we'll see you next time.